You listen to me. You're Nick fucking Woo Cage! Hello and welcome to the Nick fucking Woo Cage cast. My name is Rob and I am joined as always by Cat Valor. Cat, how you doing? Doing good. Uh, weird day because I started it with this movie. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I how are you doing? I did not start the day with this movie, but uh, it did turn into a weird day um, at some <laughs> point, no doubt. Uh, today we are talking about uh, Industrial Symphony Number no. One: The Dream of the Broken Hearted. Um, another David Lynch film. We'll get into that, though. First, we've got to start with some Nicolas Cage news. There's not a whole lot to talk about this week. However, I did come across something, and I'm hoping that you can uh, you can maybe explain it to me a little bit, Kat. Are you familiar with Starfield? Um, a little bit. I guess it's a game. I, I don't play it, so I don't know anything about it. It is uh, a game. I also don't play it. Um... My okay. ex played it. <laughs> oh, I've okay. seen it. Like okay. I, I'm vaguely familiar. All right. Well, there's apparently a mod now for Starfield. I just sent you the article. Um, that has, uh, if you <laughs> install this mod, it changes your flashlight in the game to instead of you know a big white circle to a uh, uh, sort of stretched out Nicolas Cage face that you can project all over the place in Starfield. Okay, I might start playing Starfield. <laughs> this is the first thing that's ever made me personally want to play. Yeah. Um, whatever you guys are picturing at home, it's not nearly as glorious as <laughs> the image that I just got here. Yeah, that uh, that is something. Um, anyway, that uh, light Nick Cage news week. Um, but if you are a Starfield player, look for that mod and you can... Uh, it cast Nicolas Cage's face all over the Starfield world, whatever that happens to be. Uh, and that is everything that I have for Nicolas Cage news. Are we ready to get into Industrial Symphony Number no. 1, The Dream of the Broken Hearted? Yes, I'm okay. excited to... I don't know how this conversation is going to go. Uh, this might be another speedrun episode, but I am excited to share some feelings about Industrial Symphony Number no. 1, The Dream of the Broken Hearted. Perfect. Uh, this is normally where I would insert the trailer. I don't know <laughs> if there is a trailer. We'll find out. Um, so there may or may not be audio right here. Okay. Um Industrial Symphony Number no. One: The Dream of the Broken Hearted. This movie came out in 1990. From everything I can tell, and we talked about this last week, this was made for television, mm -hmm. um, so there's no box office release or anything. It was distributed by Warner Home Video, and so it was released, I believe, on VHS. Yeah, VHS, Laserdisc, and DVD. Eventually, um, no Blu-ray upgrade on this thing. Um, <sighs> I don't know, Cap. What do you, what do you think of Nicolas Cage in this film? <laughs> uh, so, Nicolas Cage, and this this is going to be reflected in my score. I think Nicolas Cage did fine. I think he did exactly what he was expected to do. This, however, it's not a movie where they gave Nicolas Cage room to play around with. I think he was um, like grievously underutilized in this because we've already talked about it in Wild at Heart, and I think it came up when we recorded Firebirds too. He has very good chemistry with Laura Dern, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, <laughs> 
they have one conversation at the beginning of this that's kind of like looped in and mm-hmm. that's it and it's like yeah. i think if they had been allowed to play their characters as it were in this um we might have gotten some more of that chemistry it it was a little bit frustrating to know that they act so well together and then not see it in this right it's literally a phone conversation between the two of them and you can you can pretty much tell they're not even talking to one another they're not in the same room it's just um and they that by the way the the rumor is and it's never been confirmed nor denied that the characters are sailor and lula from wild at heart you get those vibes yeah um, yeah um yeah that's it for them and and i was so when i saw that and then the the actual performance started because this is based on what i'm guessing is some sort of performance piece or stage play or something um it was performed uh, live a couple of times and then filmed um apparently um it uh when that started i thought okay well maybe they're going to cut back in with more of them uh but they don't that's it um no <laughs> it's it's very short there's there's not much nicholas cage to speak of um in this movie and i do feel like i'm using the term movie very loosely um this <laughs> but was now we know uh, what a concert film is <laughs> we've yeah, seen one well not really because i I've, I've seen concert <laughs> films they don't look like this um this is um to, to be quite honest as i watch this it's just more david lynch bullshit <laughs> um, um David Lynch bullshit is a really good way to describe this. And much like, so this is, I I ended up really liking Wild at Heart. It was coherent to follow. I had things that I could point out and say about it. I I understood the characters. This is a lot more how I usually feel coming out of a David Lynch film, where there are aspects that I really like that I can point to and be like, he had me here, here, and here, but I walked out of it not understanding. Um, I would put it higher on the like end of david lynch films because at least in this one i know that i'm not supposed to understand everything that happened sometimes Mm -hmm. i come out of a david lynch film feeling very dumb because Mm -hmm. i didn't get it this one i know i'm not supposed to get it and in a weird way that really helped me like (laughs) you know i could just accept it at face value they're Mm -hmm. like okay this weird demon guy is gonna stand up off this gurney and you have to be okay with that and i was like okay yeah. I get it, <laughs> you know, like yeah. So halfway through this thing, I went, "What the fuck?" And I googled it, <laughs> and um, I saw what the movie is supposed to be about. Um, and then I was pissed um, <laughs> because it's a waste of my time at that point. It is essentially, um, it is the the phone call between Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern is Nicolas Cage breaking up with Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of what we see is supposed to be a nightmare that Laura Dern's character is having. Yes. I hate that. I hate that so much because <laughs> it's a cop out. It, what it, it allows you to do then, if you're David Lynch, is to just put a bunch of weird stuff that doesn't make any sense together. And mm-hmm. when people say it doesn't make any sense, then you can just say, well, it's a nightmare. It's not supposed to make sense. Yeah. I hate that so much. It's such a cop out. Yeah. I you, So... On the one hand, you're right. Like, as a storyteller, huge cop-out. On the other hand, if you're David Lynch and you're looking for an excuse to put some really weird stuff on a screen, um, 
you know, you've you've nailed it. Because I feel like I feel like a lot of his movies are just kind of that anyway. You know, this one at least we know, like, hey, it's a nightmare. Look at some stuff. <laughs> I just, it's it's like, I don't know. It just like at that point, I'm like, why am I even here? You know, like it's just yeah. it's just a vehicle for him to show me weird shit. Well, fine, I guess. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll go on the ride in Wild at Heart because there's a story there and there are characters there. And and I get where that's going, even if I don't get why a guy quacks before he talks or what. You know, there's weird <laughs> shit in there, but whatever. There's still something for me to, to follow and characters to follow and, and something for me to take away from it. For, for this, it's literally 50 minutes long. And mm -hmm. for, you know, 50 minutes, I sat there and just looked at a screen while stuff happened. Yeah. Um, that's uh, that's a pretty succinct summary of the movie, honestly. Things happen. Um, yeah. And there's one poor woman. Apparently, they ran out of budget before they could buy her a shirt because no matter what she's doing, she seems to be topless the entire time. <laughs> um, I so this reminded me of a bunch of things. I've seen a lot of things that are kind of in this realm of of movie where they're like mood pieces uh, with a nightmarish feeling too varying degrees this is the least coherent one which is really impressive honestly um and it's frustrating because i feel like i, I feel like that's something i could like you know because i'm someone that if i understand what i'm getting into i can just watch stuff happen on a screen mm -hmm. for a while you know a really good example is mad god like i really appreciate the craftsmanship of Ma mad god and mm -hmm. i'm happy to just sit down and watch it even though like i don't understand what's going on most of the time mm -hmm. um phil Tippett, the creator of mad god also didn't understand what was going yeah. on most of the time and i'm willing to just accept that and watch um and this had some of those vibes so i but also the other thing that it reminded me of um on the other side of that is the devil's carnival which has all of the it's like very aesthetic uh and it is supposed to be like a personal hell journey so it's one of those things where it's like you don't really get much of a story because it has that nightmarish you know we don't need that much coherence loop because it's hell you know and i but the music irritated me mm -hmm. uh on and off and that's the thing about it is i think that your atmosphere has to be appealing in some way uh, Devil's Carnival, much like this, like there were moments where the music was really good and I was into it, and there were moments where the music was very repetitive and irritating, and a floating woman was singing at me, mm -hmm. and I got really irritated. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah, um, the music is uh, fine when when um, there are songs. Uh, there's a lot of not songs, just sort of discordant noise. Yeah. Um, so I didn't care so much for that. I mean, the, the songs look, I, it's not like I'm going to rush out and buy the album or anything, but they're fine. I mean, they're just songs. I felt bad for that woman actually, because she is a, a, a musician and a singer and she gets a break and she's going to get to make a movie of her music and David Lynch is going to direct it. And that's great because it brings attention, but it also means your songs are going to be stuck in a David Lynch movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was not the best advertisement for her music. Yeah, I, I just, to me, this kind of filmmaking is what gives us skin a rink. <laughs> and everyone, we're all just supposed to pretend that it's, that it's fine. <laughs>
I think it is. I I think it's fine. I think there's a venue for that. There's a demand for movies like this. I wish it had been a little bit better. Um, I wish I had not had some of the really frustrating things, but like the visuals were really. I, technically, it was kind of impressive because mm-hmm. it's like it's a stage production essentially mm-hmm. that's being filmed. Um, you know and. I've already brought him up, but like the weird demon guy that was super mm-hmm. tall. Fascinating. So like, I also thought that that was a demon. It's actually supposed to represent a skinned deer. It is. Yeah. Yes. Um, um but I, you know, six of one half dozen of the other, I guess. I don't know. Like, and, <laughs> and so another thing that, that hindered my viewing experience of this is that the only place I could find it was some upload to YouTube to watch. And it looked like garbage. Yes. Uh, the <laughs> It was not great. I think if we could have gotten like a better recording of this, it probably would have helped the experience. I, I spent a lot of time, because it's also very dark. So I spent a lot of time wondering what I was looking at exactly. You know, like I, having to pause it and look and like squint, like what is, oh, okay, I see what that, you know, it, it, it that does not make for a fun viewing experience either. And that's not the fault of the film. It's just no. not apparently readily available no one's streaming it that i could find um but that that certainly did not help a movie that i already was extremely hesitant about going into um yeah it's it's an experience but it's just not one that i care for and it's nothing that i'll revisit again um you know the idea of filming a stage production uh, is is a, a fun one, an interesting one. It's something that, you know we we've seen before, but um, this particular stage production, what the hell, man? <laughs> you know, I will say um, I'm glad someone did film it because I don't think that this is a stage experience that's going to be repeated ever. I can't imagine. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, I, I, those are kind of my thoughts on, on this, on this movie cat. I, I knew coming into this, I wasn't going to have much to say. Um, so if there's anything else you want to touch on now's a good time to jump to it. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So I, listen, I think this could have been really great. I think this could have been really up my alley. Um, I like weird ambient mood pieces sometimes. Um, if the music were better, I could see me having this on like in the background at work unfortunately as you said there were some just like discordant sounds that happened in the back that were um very jarring i i don't think the music was consistent before we even got the singer there was like a weird jazzy number that just kind of played in the back not a fan of that i'm probably not going to visit this one again realistically um there were some things i really liked about it uh, visually speaking, I, I was really impressed that they were able to pull off uh, like the creature design of the deer, um, who did look very demon-esque because he was so tall. But then mm-hmm. like I was really impressed that he was that tall because like when they devil. get him, I, I did too. <laughs> I didn't know it was a deer until I looked up the movie and saw the credits and went, oh, that's a deer. They, they got him like on the onto the stretcher thing and he looked like a normal sized dude and then when he stands up after they shine all the lights on him like he's 
so so tall like just from a stagecraft aspect i think this was really impressive Mm -hmm. um the lady really looked like she was floating for the most part like the harness wasn't super obvious Mm -hmm. Uh, i i was like very appreciative of the uh like symphony part of this uh the live music i think they did a great job, especially in the later tracks. Once they were done with the jazzy stuff, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, stuff. There's like that one jazzy number. I know. Why are you hating on it? You just say, keep saying it like that. Well, I, just because it doesn't match the rest of the music. I guess. I mean, I, the most of the music doesn't match the other music. <laughs> I guess. I feel like if they had taken out that one number, it the rest of it could have been like an album everything would, have, everything would have folded together if not for that one jazzy number <laughs> one jazzy number i i don't know because they were playing like jazz and i thought it was going to be like a jazz thing and i got kind of into it and then they're like anyway discordant sounds and right, I was right. Like, now, oh, now, now listen to a little person saw <laughs> there was a lot of sawing just yeah. that happened in this yeah. Although I will say that guy had my favorite moment. If there was anything I enjoyed, and I don't know why, because there's no rhyme or reason to any of what's happening. Um, when he um, sort of, I don't know, recreated the phone conversation between Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern from the beginning. That was fantastic. I enjoyed the hell out of that part. I thought that was great. It was good. I don't know why. I can't explain it, but I found it captivating and interesting. It just worked. Um, he was very charismatic when he did it. He was. Um, I liked that he got into her phone dialogue more than Nick Cage's also. Like, that was great. Um, yeah, so I this is really weird. The only other thing that I have for this, um, and we've pretty much touched on it, I guess. Uh, I did find a review uh, I normally don't bring reviews to the Nick F and Wu Cage cast, but just sure. because this is a very hard movie to describe, um, yeah. I did. I do have a little synopsis of it that I found in one of the reviews. Okay. Um, how to describe Industrial Symphony? Well, it almost defies description in conventional terms, except that it's a story of broken love and a sort of floating angel singing of the innermost feelings of love and happiness that are always just out of reach. That's the basic description, but if, what if I were to add to that that it includes a dwarf saw, sawing a log, or that the angel gets quote-unquote killed Killed is in quotes because I don't know for sure if that's what happened and I don't want to. Uh, and dumped in the truck of an old 50s car or that there's a big elk zombie at one point or baby dolls that come down slowly with masks over their heads. That that's was some a cool what, visual. That was a really cool visual. Yeah. Uh, that's just some of what makes up David Lynch most underseen efforts where he experiments yet again by filming a live stage show occasionally in 80s style slow motion and dissolves uh, like in a music video of the period using lighting effects and methods of quote-unquote storytelling that are completely abstracted from anything you think you've seen before. Um, so if that sounds good to you, you know, yeah, give it a watch yeah. if you want a mood piece. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to do it any kind of better justice than that. This person gave it a 10 out of 10. Um, good Lord. A lot of the people that reviewed this gave it an 8 or higher out of 10. Uh, this sits at a 7, and I think an even 7 out of 10 on well, IMDb. That, that actually makes sense, because the only way you can get it on Blu-ray 
I know yeah. is if you buy like this David Lynch set. Yes. And so the people that are going to buy that are people who like David Lynch. They're going to be more predisposed to liking this kind of thing. Um, so that, that does kind of make sense. Otherwise you have to go watch a really crappy looking version on YouTube. And I'm guessing you're going to turn it off in three minutes and never think of it again. <laughs> um, my synopsis of this movie would not nearly be as good as that. It would literally be Nicholas Cage and Laura Dern break up over the phone. A bunch of weird shit happens. The end. <laughs> um, I did like, um, when the, uh, the singer angel, whatever fell, mm-hmm. Um, I did not see that coming, and I laughed hysterically. <laughs> um, I enjoyed that. Um, like you said, the the deer, demon, whatever looked cool. Um, and the baby doll thing was cool. And then the little guy recreating their conversation from the beginning. I really did enjoy that that portion of it. The rest of it, I mean, I just... it's I, David Lynch, I want to like you so much. I really do. <laughs> And I just can't. I just, I don't get it. I understand that it is for some people. Um, I understand that it's, there's genius in there somewhere. It's just, I don't, it just does not work for me. I don't see it. Uh, I just, and I wish I did. I, I want to be one of those people who likes David Lynch and talks about how cool Eraserhead is, but I've seen Eraserhead, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's usually how I feel. I'm, I, I think I'm coming down on the side of, I like this one okay the the mm-hmm. issue is that like i sat down to watch it today and i was paying a lot of very close attention to it um to try and take notes didn't happen i did not take the notes but <laughs> like th- i don't think that's how you're necessarily supposed to watch this i i think it's just kind of an experience that you can sit down and have if you choose to a- and in that regard i think it's Fine. I would rather watch this and have this kind of David Lynch experience than watch Eraserhead or Mulholland Drive. I think mm-hmm. this is a lot more condensed. Like it's right. more weird, more abstract, but I can get it done in under an hour. <laughs> like, <laughs> that might be the saving grace of this whole thing is that it's fifty minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was a this was an odd one, uh, no doubt about it. Um but, uh, you know, I, I think there was enough curiosity from both of us that we decided to talk about this movie. There was, uh, I thought maybe we would skip it initially. Um, I don't know that I'm happier that I have seen it, but I have now seen it. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I think I'm happier. I think I would rather have seen it than, like, let my expectations build and go back to watch it, you know? Um, I think I would have been too curious if we had skipped this one. That being said... Did we need to watch this for the podcast? Absolutely not. <laughs> we we got a phone conversation. We probably at this point could have watched that other one that he was in that we skipped a couple weeks ago. Oh, I watched that one. That one was bad. Um, he, was he in it more than he was in this? It is close. He had a really quick cameo in that one. It was it was really short. Um I would say the screen time might be might be about the same. Um, except for with that one, then you are in for a 90 minute movie. At least with this, you're out quick. That's true. Percentage wise, he was in this more. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. All right, Kat, is there anything else you want to say about Industrial Symphony number one? Uh, no, whatever the I, rest of the title is. 
I, I will say I did not like this. Uh, last week I had said that I was kind of hoping for something like The Wall. This is, uh, it, you. if you compare anything to The Wall, you're probably going to be disappointed, but especially this. Like, don't don't get yeah. your hopes up for that. Yeah, no, but. this is not the wall. Uh, no. Not not one bit. All right. Let's hop into the bees, you think? Yeah. Whoa, what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! All right, um, Kat, we, um, we give two scores. Nicolas Cage score, that is uh, both for Nicolas Cage's performance and Nicolas Cage's use in the film. The other one is a score for the movie overall. What do you give Industrial Symphony number one, The Dream of the Brokenhearted, for a Nick Cage score? Um, I want to clarify because this is a, it's one of my lower Nick Cage scores, and it's mostly for their use of Nick Cage in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to see him in there more. I would have liked to see him in the same room as Laura Dern for a recording. I mm-hmm. would have maybe liked some of his audio to be layered into the rest of what we were seeing. Just felt like he wasn't a huge impact on the film. Um, mm-hmm. They really missed a lot of opportunities there, so I'm going to go ahead and give this a three. In terms of his performance, he did just fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, much the same from me. Um, I, I thought that uh, what little he was given to do was fine. Um, he wasn't uh, given much time or, or anything really to do, uh, and that's the problem. This is a, this is a one for me. Okay. Um, but it's not through any fault of Nicolas Cage. It's just he's not. I mean, this, he's not even really in this movie. I mean, no. <laughs> you no. know, um, he is in the setup for this movie. Um, and that's the and thing that's that kills it. me is he should have been like a titular character in this somehow, you know, well, like he sets the whole thing in motion. Yeah. I really thought we were going to get more of like their conversation or something interspersed in between the the because i knew going in it was it was labeled an avant-garde concert film which i guess is kind of accurate i don't know um but so i thought maybe those were going to be kind of you know in between songs or whatever maybe we'd get a little bit more from them and we just there was nothing just the beginning very Um, frustrating yeah what do you give this uh as a movie overall cat um, so as a movie overall, uh, I am going to, I, I had a really tough time scoring this one because it's at the higher end of like David Lynch movies. It's at the lower end of like recorded concerts for me. It's I, not a great Nick Cage movie. If that's what you're looking for, I think it's kind of cool ambiance. I was impressed by the actual stage show aspect of it. I bounced all over the place for this one. Um, but the parts of it that I was into, I was really into. And honestly, I would rather watch this again than some of the longer, more average films that we've seen here. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, Time to Kill and Firebirds. I-, I would rather watch this than either one of them. Again, part of it's because it's shorter, uh, mm. but also like it has things I liked in it. I'm going to go ahead and give this a six. Oh, wow. All right. I don't feel real confident in it. Well... <laughs> Yeah, and I was going to say much the same thing um, about how difficult it is to to place a score on this. One, uh, it, it's uh, it's not like any movie that we have seen before um, no. on um, maybe before at all, but certainly on this podcast. <laughs> um, it is designed in a way that is 
um, almost uh, bulletproof in that they can just say, well, it's not supposed to make sense. It's a nightmare. I hate that. Um, I, but oh, I just did not like this movie. I mean, I, I it's an experience and I didn't I didn't enjoy it. Um, I did give it a, a two overall, okay. though, uh, largely because of the recreation of their phone conversation, which I enjoyed. And the baby doll thing, which I thought was um, made no sense. Not I have no idea what it means to this day or even if it's supposed to mean anything. But, you know, it was cool to look at. All right. <laughs> um, so it gets a two, which is actually higher than Firebirds. So I was going to say that's still higher than Firebirds. Yeah, Firebirds <laughs> was awful. Um, and I, I, I guess I can justify giving this a higher score than Firebirds because while I don't necessarily like what they were trying to achieve here, at least I feel like they achieved it. Um, but I can't go higher than a two because it's so fucking weird and uh, whatever. <laughs> I just, you know, whatever. It's David Lynch. Um, so, so that is our discussion. Not on, a great um, Nick Cage streak for you. No, it hasn't been a great streak. No. Um, that wraps up Industrial Symphony Number 1, The Dream of the Broken Hearted. Uh, we will now move on to the 1991 film. This is his first film of 1991. Um, it is an erotic thriller called Zandali. Um, do you have any... Uh, have you seen this? I have not seen this. I have not either. Um you know, we'll see what happens. I, there is there was a rush in the uh, in the early '90s of these erotic thriller stories. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. Basic Instinct seems to be like the the one everybody's seen. You know, um, you know, it, it's possible that it, it will be enjoyable. It stars not only Nicolas Cage but Judge Reinhold is in it. It's got Aaron Neville in it. Um, uh, Joe Pantaleone's in it. Oh, Joey Pants, he shows up, and uh, Steve Buscemi. I have an idea this might not break the streak. Um, I'm looking at Nicolas Cage's facial hair in this trailer, and I'm not impressed. Um, he's doing something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he he made a choice. We'll see. Depends on what kind of voice he's using and what kind of teeth he has when we get to the movie, I guess. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to that sort of a weird choice coming from Nicolas Cage. That's true. Um, I think if anyone can pull this off. Um. Yeah. What, I, what I'm usually opposed to are the weird choices where he's like, I'm going to be in a David Lynch movie. Um, <laughs> that's Those are the weird choices I'm opposed to. Not uh, not weird facial hair or whatever. Um, all right. So we will be back next week with Zandali. And I assume I'm saying that right. I don't know how else you would pronounce it, but I don't know. It looks phonetic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see. If I'm saying it wrong, We'll we'll find out tomorrow. Or not tomorrow. We'll find out next week. <laughs> I'm so tired, Cat. Um, Cat, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cat underscore velour. You can find me on Blue Sky, um, Instagram, all the other ones at Cat Velour. And check out my website, catvelour.com. I have a book available for sale. You should buy it. Yes, you should. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Radio Rob123. I'm also on Blue Sky. That's the uh, same username there. Um, and you can listen to the other show that Kat and I do together, along with Mikey Bones, called Slasher Radio, wherever you are listening to the Nick F and Woo Cagecast. We'll be back next week with Zandali. Woo!